0: So we're going to be looking at John at uh, chapter 16, and first of all, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7. Um, this is part of a series that I've been looking at over the last few years on the Sermon on the Mount. So we're up to John Matthew chapter 7, and we'll start from verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, we'll stop there. That's going to be the main passage we're going to look at, but let's, uh, I think it'll be helpful just to read... Uh, A kind of parallel passage um, in in John chapter 16, and we'll start at verse 22. So with you, now is your time of grief. This is Jesus speaking again. But I will see you, and I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now... You haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm going back, leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciple says, well, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and don't even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you all these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, so here we are. It's the start of 2012, we're just a couple of weeks into it. I wonder how you're feeling about the new year already. Just two weeks old. I guess at at New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, many people look back on the previous years when maybe there have been struggles and hardships, and there's a whole year stretching ahead of them. 2012, what will it bring? And there's always hope that good things will come in 2012 in the new year. It can be a time of optimism, yet far too often the realities of life can come crashing in. Maybe... That's happened for you. Just two weeks in, just two weeks, 14 days into 2012, maybe that optimism which you might have felt a couple of weeks ago has already gone. Who knows what life will throw up in a coming year? Who knows what problems and difficulties there will be? Perhaps relationship difficulties. This is the most common time of year, apparently, for divorce papers to be filed. Maybe there'll be financial difficulties, credit card bills, maybe from Christmas, shopping, job issues, health problems. And we can spend the whole of our life and a lot of time trying to either avoid troubling things happening to us or at least minimizing their effect and ensuring ourselves against things which might happen. Even then, we can spend a lot of time worrying about what will happen fearing the worst. And in a world full of uncertainty and surprises just coming around the corner, verses like these that we've read can be a great comfort to people. It can be a great comfort to those of us who know God as Father. In fact, in John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have Peace. That's why Jesus is telling them us, so that we might have peace, so that we might know his peace in a world full of uncertainty and trouble and turmoil and pain and suffering. If we get hold of the truth that we're looking at this morning, these verses, it can bring us much comfort and encouragement. And at the center of what Jesus is saying to us today are these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Words of comfort, words of hope, words of encouragement to us. But we need to look carefully this morning and closely to see what these verses are actually saying so that we don't get it into our heads that they're promising what they aren't. Otherwise, all that will come to us is a kind of superficial relief and comfort in our pain and our suffering and anxiety. At the worst, we can be believing something which God is never promising. And that can bring pain and disappointment and anger. These aren't verses just to be glib and superficial about. They're not just verses to go... Oh, that's okay, it just says in the Bible, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. I mean, that's fine, we'll be fine. Life's going to be great. They're not verses when other people are struggling with things to just trot out to them. Someone who's struggling with long-term unemployment doesn't need to hear us go, well, the Bible just says ask and you'll receive. Just come on, ask God, you'll receive it. Some sort of glib statement. There's, other, there's lots of verses, lots of promises that people can use in that way, isn't there? You can, you can say things, or people can say things to you and you think, that's not helped me. You know, you're going through a difficulty and someone goes, oh, never mind. All things work together for the good of those who love him. Right, thanks. i give you permission if someone says that to you when you're going through something struggling and, and they just say it in that kind of way. Just give them a smack in the face. <laughs> and say, let's see how that works out together for the good. <laughs> you know, you've got... They're not just things to trot out thoughtlessly. We need to look in detail and see what they mean and apply them to our lives. First of all, it's important to see what our, these verses don't mean. Firstly, these verses about asking you shall it be given to you, seek and you'll find, they don't promise us that God will prevent us from experiencing the troubles of life. It's not the ultimate life insurance, a a divine life insurance. We can take out our policy with Jesus, and it'll all be fine. Maybe in the past you've thought that. With God on my side, things can't go wrong. All my relationships will be fine. God will provide for me financially. I won't have any health problems. After all, the Bible says Jesus is the great physician, fantastic, what more can we look for? God never promises a life without problems. He never says we won't face difficulties and hardships and challenges of life. The truth is we will face those things and Jesus says that in this passage in John, doesn't he? He says, "I've told you this so that you may have peace." And we can go, "Thank you, God. You're going to have peace." He follows it straight on. In this world, you will have trouble. What? I thought you were. I thought you were getting rid of the fear. Now you're telling me it's going to happen. Now you're telling me I'm going to have trouble. What do you mean? But take heart. I've overcome the world. We will face trouble. We will face hardship. Jesus had already promised in the Sermon on the Mount, when we look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11, he's promised persecution. Blessed are you, not if, when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against me, against you because of me. You'll be persecuted. People will say things to you which are hurtful. Jesus is saying you'll be blessed. What does that mean? The real, and, and Jesus' disciples faced that, didn't they? They went, they lived a life following Jesus, proclaiming his name, but many of them died as martyrs. They didn't escape persecution. They didn't escape trouble in this world. Jesus doesn't promise that. The real issue isn't about avoiding challenges and trials in our life. We will only be disappointed. And if we take verses like this to mean, oh, well, we'll be okay. We won't face these things. You'll be disappointed. We'll be disappointed. It isn't even a question of what it is that we will face. But it's about whether we're ready to face the challenges that come our way. How prepared are we when trouble comes? How prepared are we when persecution comes? How prepared are we when we have and face health issues or face job loss or face a breakdown in an important relationship that we might have, maybe a friendship. How do we approach this even before it comes? Are we full of fear? Are we full of anxiety? Or do we have peace? Do we have a peace about these things? When Jesus was talking to his disciples in John chapter 16, he says in verse 32, of that. He says, a time is coming and has come now when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. That's a big fear. That's another big fear for many of us, isn't it? Being left all alone. Maybe we think, oh, you know, I, I'm single at the moment. I, will I ever have a husband or a wife? I don't know. I, I need to sort something out. I fear being alone. I don't like being alone now. I, don't, I, don't, I fear what will happen later on in my life. Jesus said, you will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. How will we face these things? These promises don't mean we will avoid trouble. Secondly, Jesus doesn't mean that we can just ask God for anything we want and expect to receive it. And you think, well, it seems to say that. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. Him who knocks, the door will Surely Jesus is saying you just need to ask for something, and you'll get what you ask for. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And some people make the point, obviously, when they read this passage, saying, oh, you know, of course, you can't ask for a brand new car. Uh, You know, let's get the latest Jag or whatever, and expect to receive that. But it's equally true that we can't expect to ask for a trouble-free life and receive it, and other things that we might ask for. We can't just take these verses out of the context of the whole passage. Verse 11 says in Matthew 7, um, verse 11 says, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus knows, God knows, the Father knows, which are good gifts? Because sometimes we don't know what a good gift is. We can look at a gift and, and we'll look at something and think, that would be great. It's like that on TV, isn't it? We, you know, and especially I find this with, with having kids. You can watch TV and some of the children's TV programs and they advertise some toys coming up to Christmas, the latest toys and, and the kids are watching and they go, oh, that looks amazing. That toy, can I have that? And as a father... We might think, it might look amazing, but I don't think it's going to be that good. And there's some gifts that my children have received this Christmas. And they, they open it, that looks great. And then when you get into it and you open it up, you think, actually, it's a bit shoddy. It doesn't really work. I spent yesterday making some little rubber, uh, I don't know, wristbands out of a little kit with, with my, my son and daughter. And like, it, it took ages to do it, and mixing it all yourself and everything. And then it just fell apart. And you're thinking, well, it looks good. And I, and I said to them, I got the box out, I said, ours doesn't look like it does on the box, does it? Yeah, this is rubbish. It fell apart Joshua just went, I'm throwing it in the bin. <laughs> 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 then he threw Ellie's in the bin as well, and she wanted to keep us. <laughs> I'm getting rid of that. Gifts can look good. We can think something's going to be good. And it might not be. The Father knows what good gifts are. They might not be the gifts that we think are good. It's not that God is just some sort of genie of the lamp who will give unlimited wishes. That's not what these verses are saying. We can't just say, oh, God, ask for anything you want. Okay. Well, never mind. Three wishes. I've got as many as I want. God, the genie of the lamp. Actually, if that was the case, who would be in charge? We would be in charge. We would be more like God. God would just be our servant doing whatever we asked for. And that would be a terrible thing. But we can slip into that way of thinking, oh, I just need to ask God. He'll give me whatever I want. No, that's not what these verses are saying. So what is it that these verses are saying? Because you might be sitting there thinking, well, it seems like you're just... it's like picking apart the whole verse, everything about it. What, what can we hold on to? What will we receive? Well, we'll receive things that are more important than health and a trouble-free life and a peaceful life and lack of persecution or things like that. Things that are more important. Back to John chapter 16, verse 22. Now is the time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. We will receive joy. Verse 33, we've already looked at. I've said, told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So we'll have joy. We'll have peace. And we'll also see in a moment in a passage that we're going to look at that Jesus also means we will have the Holy Spirit he will give us the Holy Spirit and all the gifts of the Spirit that come along with that, or many of the gifts of the Spirit that come with that. The Holy Spirit who brings comfort and the counsel and the power to witness to Jesus as well. These are some of the things that God the Father will give us. But before we receive these things, we need to realize our need of them. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need To knock. It's not enough just to repeat the promises of God. Oh, God has promised us that we will have these things. So we will have them. That's okay, we'll just repeat that. No, we need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock. We need to know our need of God. We'll never live the life that we were meant to in God, full of peace and joy, unless we're constantly aware all the time ...of our need of God. We need to come to God for help. We need to come and ask him. We need to seek him. We need to knock. What what does it mean to ask and to seek and to knock? Some um, commentators have gone into great detail... ...about the difference between the three... ...about well, what does asking mean... ...and what does seeking mean... ...and what does knocking mean. Well, I don't believe we need to go into... ...the difference between them all. We just need to realise it's about... ...keeping on asking God... Sometimes my son, Joshua, he wants something from me. And maybe I'm upstairs in my study. I work from home and and I hear him downstairs and I hear him going, Daddy, Daddy, he's maybe in the lounge. He's asking, he needs something, he wants something. And when he realizes I'm not in the room, he'll go looking for me. Well, where's Daddy? He'll start walking around the house. Daddy, I can hear him walking around the house. I think, you know, he'll find me, he'll find me. He comes up to my door. Door of my office, the study, and it's it's shut. And he'll knock, Daddy. And I'll open the door. Yes, what is it that you want, Joshua? And then he'll ask me for what he wants. What's he doing? He's just keeping on asking. He's not giving up. He's keeping on going. And and that's what Jesus is stressing here: ask, seek, knock. Keep on, keep on seeking God, keep on asking God, keep on re- recognizing our dependence on God, that we need things from Him. Keep on asking him. We see this in a parallel passage in Luke eleven, another parallel passage, obviously in all the gospels, some of these teachings come up time and time again, and this in Luke eleven um, there's some of the parallel things Jesus just explained the Lord's Prayer. And then in verse 5, he says this, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So you go to a mate's house at midnight and knock. Have you got some spare bread? Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up And give you anything. It's midnight. And Jesus says I tell you. Though he won't get up. And give him the bread. Because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness. He will get up. And give him as much as he needs. And then he goes on and says these words. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And he goes on and talks about the fish and the snake and the egg. Same passage that we've read. He's illustrating it with a story. He's illustrating it with this story of a man who goes to his friend and he knocks on his door At midnight, and he's asking. It's not a convenient time. And he's asking for something. Because someone's there. And he gets the bread. Now, why does he get the bread? Why does he get the bread? And now, let's not miss this. Because we might think, well, he gets the bread because it's his mate. Because the man is friends with him. He's going to give it him because he's friends with him. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus makes the opposite point. He says he doesn't get it because he's his friend. He doesn't get it because he's his friend. He gets it because he asks. He gets it because he is bold. He says, I tell you, he won't get up and give him the bread because it's his friend, it's because of his boldness. Let's not miss this. This is a big thing because we might think, well, we're friends of God. We've come into a relationship with God. God's our Father. He loves us. We're friends with God. Of course he'll give us these things. The Bible's saying, no, he won't. He won't. He's not going to give you these things because you're his friend, because you know God. He will give them to you because of your boldness. Because you ask. James and chapter 4 and verse 2 says the same thing. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet. You can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God why don't I have these things? We're talking about peace and joy and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and I don't seem to have any of those things. And James would say, you don't have because you don't ask. He said, well, I'm friends with God. Surely God will give me these things. No, he doesn't give you things just because you know him. He doesn't give you things just because you're friends with him. He gives you things because you ask him. Jesus is saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock, and the door will be opened to you. It's our boldness in asking. And the passage in Luke 11 about asking, you know, I said it goes on and says the same things, it's the same passage. Actually, it explains a little bit more at the end of Luke 11. So when he said, If though you who are evil know how to give good things to, gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In Matthew it says uh, give I think it says give good gifts to those who ask him give good gifts to those who ask him In Luke it's explained it's the holy spirit how much more if you ask will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him we need to ask god for the holy spirit it doesn't come automatically you might know, think but i've been saved i've 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 i've, I've given my life to christ Surely he's poured out the Holy Spirit in me. No. Have you asked him? Have you asked him for the Holy Spirit? Have you come to him and said, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you've not asked him, chances are you've not been. Chances are you've not been. And Paul has that emphasis in in 1 Corinthians about the gifts of the Spirit. He says in First Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verse 31, after he's talked about all the different gifts of the Spirit, or some of them, he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And in chapter 14 and verse 1, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Well, surely God will give me what gifts he wants to give me. No, desire them. Ask God for them. Be proactive. Recognize that you need God. God knows that you need Him. Do you know that you need Him? Do we know that we need God? Do we know that these gifts of the Holy Spirit, and indeed the Holy Spirit Himself, is it, are essential for us as in our Christian walk? People say, Oh, yeah, I'm really struggling with my walk with God. You know, I've given my life to God, and, and it seemed great for a while, but now. It seems I'm struggling with temptation, and I'm—I don't seem to have. There's no power in my life. I don't seem to have any strength to do what I want to do. Have you asked? Have have you asked God for what he needs? Well, I've decided I'm following him. Yeah, but you need to receive from him. We're dependent on God all the time. We have to be cast... It's not a case of responding to God and then saying, and now my life is sorted and I'm okay and I'll carry on walking and I'll do things on my own and I've got the strength to do it. I can sort it all out myself. No, we can't. We need God. We have to be cast on God. And if we're not, we won't ask. And if we won't ask, we won't receive. And it's all about persistence. It's about keeping on asking. And we we can think, well, you know, I've... I'm anxious about all these things, and and I've asked God about it, but nothing's changed. It's not worked. It's not worked. God's back to the genie of the lamp. I've asked him, and it's not worked. It can't be right. Keep on asking. Ask, seek, knock. Daily. We have to keep asking God daily, really, if we want to see things come about. Keep on going asking. Many of us have desires for things. We might even say, oh God, will you give me this? In a a moment. But we miss out on so much because we're not persistent in it. We don't keep on asking God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Recognizing our need on God. Recognizing this is a fight of faith. Persisting in seeking after it. We need to keep doing that. And also we realize, we need to realize in this passage, God wants to give these things to us because he is our heavenly father. And and I wonder, are we aware of this? Because if we're aware of it, it makes a real difference to know that God is our heavenly father and he wants to give us these things. And first of all, it's important that we realize in these verses, Jesus isn't meaning that God is everyone's father. Often these verses are taken when they're talking about people who don't know God. And maybe you know someone and you think, oh, you know, they've expressed some sort of interest. They want to find out the meaning of life. What's life all about? I'm going on a spiritual quest. I want to investigate. I want to investigate all the different religions and see what they've all got to say, all the different philosophies of life. And someone might say, oh, well, you know, they'll come to know God. Because it says here, you know, everyone who seeks finds It's not talking about those people. This passage isn't talking about people. They may well find. They may well find the truth. Because they might come and sit in a church meeting or or ask someone who who brings the truth to them and God may well reveal it. But that's not what the promise is for. This promise isn't for those who don't know God. This promise is for God's children. Those who do know him. Those who know God is their heavenly father. Father. And we don't become children of God until we've been born again, until we've received God's nature, until we've been adopted into his family. But when we have, because God is our father, he will never give us anything that is evil, ever. He won't give us those things. He says, you know, if your son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? No, he'll give good gifts. The passage doesn't say, as we've, we've already pointed out, if he asks for bread, he'll give him bread. If he asks for fish, he'll give him fish. He may have something much better than that, but he's not going to give something worse. He's not going to give a, a stone or a snake. He's not going to give something nasty. He will always give good gifts. And Jesus points this out. He says, look, even even those of you who are evil or sinful, and, that, and that's all of us, We all sin. Know how to give our children good gifts. You know, not many of us would give a stone to our child if they've asked for bread. Not many of us, if our child looked at the TV adverts and said, well, that looks amazing, can I have that? We may well not give them that thing. But we'll try and give them something good. We won't give them something deliberately Awful. I say that, although I did come across this week an American, some of these things that go on on, American, on British TV shows, an American TV chat show host who'd encouraged parents to, to do exactly this to give their children rubbish gifts for Christmas and video them opening them. So, so, like, you put, put a, st- you know, a stone in. In fact, there was one that I watched where, where this, this lad's opening his present, and he's got, he's got three letters which say 3DS. And his parents are going, you've got a 3DS, that's what you wanted. And he's like, that's not what I wanted. He's bursting into tears, and some of the kids, you know, kick off, and they get really abusive. And Some, some, some were really nice, some were really good. One, one got a bag of carrots, and he's like, oh, thanks for the carrots. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> They're munching them. <laughs> it's a pretty horrible thing to do. I was watching some of that, I just thought, oh, this is horrible. This is cruel. That's what Jesus was saying. It's cruel. I had to video it as well and send it in some TV chat show out. you know, it's not a loving thing to do with your children. Even we who are evil, most of us, wouldn't do that. And God certainly won't. Some of us might be thinking, actually, you know, actually, my father, he never gave me much. You know, I'm, I've no problem in identifying that he's evil. I, he was definitely sinful. He, he didn't do a lot for me. In fact, he did some pretty horrible things to me. Some of you may be thinking that. And because of that, you might think, and I really struggle to, to see God as father. Well, Jesus is saying, look, there's a big difference. Human fathers are sinful. He's calling them evil. Evil? I'm not an evil father. Jesus is saying, actually, you are. If you compare yourself to God the Father, you're evil. God is perfect and pure and holy and would only ever do the best and give you the best, best, best present. The gift that is above all gifts. He'll give you ultimately what is best for you. He says, in comparison, human fathers, they... They, they might be doing their best, but they're, they're sinful. They're evil. So if you've had a father that, that you just think, I just can't, I can't relate to God as Father. Actually, it, it's a different kind of father. He's a perfect father. He's the father that no other earthly father can be. And he never makes a mistake. He never gives something that, that might be good and might be the best, but turns out not to be. You know, I, I decided to take my children to uh, the theatre the other the other month uh, to go and see a, a, a play, jo- a musical Joseph and his and his dream coat. And I thought, they'll, I'm sure they'll like this. Ellie had seen it before. I thought Joshua's going to like this. I took him along. He'd seen it on TV. He didn't enjoy it at all. There was there was someone in a costume there as we walked in. He hates costumes. It freaked him out. That was it. He didn't enjoy the whole thing. There were some shining red evil eyes in it with the fair. He just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I wanted to give him a good gift. It didn't turn out to be that good a gift for him. I did my best. But I didn't know. I just didn't know. God knows. God always knows. He knows what gifts are good for us. He knows what will be for our benefit. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness so what jesus is meaning is this ask for any of these things recognize your need in god of god ask for things which god knows are good for you and he'll give you things which are good for you which will bring us closer to him which will help us in our godliness He'll pour his Holy Spirit out on us. He'll give us gifts to build ourselves up and others in the church. And we will have peace and joy in the Lord. And we keep on asking him. I mean, in summary, ultimately, what Jesus is urging us to do strongly here, because he's saying repeatedly, do this, ask, seek, knock, three times. He's strongly urging us to pray, to pray. I mean, that's, that's the first time I've used that word in this message. Because sometimes, actually, when we start talking about, oh, this message is about prayer, it can bring all sorts of guilt and condemnation and mixed feelings, can't it? Oh, pray, yeah. Oh, well, I've not had my quiet time today. I'm feeling bad about that. Oh, I, yeah, I do struggle to pray every day. Oh, no. We can start going down the pan over it. Because we think, oh, we ought to do it. We've got to do it every day. Some of us just don't like it when it's mentioned. When, when we're exhorted to pray from the platform, we don't like it. Especially if we mention uh, uh, the Friday prayer meeting that we run. Oh, no, no. That's just pressure. It's just, it's just pressure to go to a meeting. That's all the guy's doing from the front. It's just pressuring us. Come to the meeting. Why do I need to go to a meeting? Now, I've not mentioned the word prayer deliberately up until now because I hope you've seen now that it's about far more than just that. It's not about making sure that you read your passage every day in the Bible and have 10 minutes prayer. All right, take that one off. It's not about just coming to a meeting. That meeting is it's an opportunity for us, the church, to gather together and come to our Heavenly Father who knows us intimately and He loves us perfectly and He wants to give us All that he has for us, he wants us to ask. And actually not just for ourselves, but for others as well. But actually even when we're asking for others, we'll receive from him, because we'll we'll come to recognizing our need of him. God, help us to tell others about you, but God, I can't do it without you. I need what you have for me to be able to do that. I need your courage, I need your grace. God, I need your grace to be able to live my life the way you want me to live. Oh God, I see things in, my, in your word and I struggle with it and God, I just need you. That's where God wants us to be. That's where God wants us to be, just to come and be dependent on him. We met together this last Friday and we were praying for important issues, praying for healing, praying for, for issues, for, for cancer and all that comes with that and the fear and the anxiety. We're praying And God met with us and he lifted us and he gave us a different perspective and he gave us hope and he gave us, uh, you know, his spirit. And I believe he was casting out fear and anxiety. As we meet together with him, he's doing all of these things. As we come and we ask and we seek and we knock, he's pouring out gifts to us. He's giving us these things. We have access to His throne room, because we're his children. It's not that, Jesus says in that passage in in John, he says, it's not that I'm asking God for you. It's that you, God loves you. The Father loves you himself. You can come to him. You can ask him. That's why he's answering your prayers. He'll listen to us. He is all powerful. He knows he can provide what we need. He's all wise. He knows what to give us and what not to give us. He's infinitely good and loving. And and as we come before him, our joy is raised as high as possible. And he promises that if we keep coming to him on our own, together as a church, asking him, depending on him, he will just pour out good things on us. And we will receive the things that we seek. And we'll learn to trust in him and depend on him more and more. Not to depend on him less, but to keep coming back to him. Because he is infinitely trustworthy. Jesus says, ask, seek knock. He repeats it three times because he really wants us to enjoy the help that our Heavenly Father can bring to our lives and to know that everyone who asks receives. It's a fantastic invitation. It's an invitation to come to the table of God and receive from him. It's like being invited to a great banquet where we can feast on all that God has for us. And the question is, how will we respond to that invitation? Jesus gives a parable of a great banquet in Luke chapter 14. He says this from verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he said to his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, come, for everything is ready. What was their response? We've been invited to a great banquet. What did these people respond they alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, I can't come. And the servant came back and reported it to his master. And the owner of his house became angry, ordered the servants, Go quickly, go into the streets and the alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, said the servant, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads, the country lanes, make them come in so that a house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. God is promising so much to us if we come and seek him. He's urging us, come and seek me, come and pray. Come and keep on depending on me, asking me for what you need. And I'll pour it out to you. There'll be a great banquet ahead of you. The truth is, there'll always be other things we could be doing. When we get time to pray on our own, there'll always be other things which could get our attention. Other activities. You know that same with a same with a prayer meeting. There'll always be other things, things on TV, things we could be doing. We could fill in our own excuses. It wouldn't be, I've just bought a field. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. It might be, I've just got married. Or I'm just about to get married. Could be. But you fill in your own excuses that will potentially could stop you. What does Jesus say? You won't taste it. You won't taste the banquet. You won't be in the receipt of all that I have for you. I've got so many good things for you. I want to pour out so much on your life. Come to me. Don't walk away. Don't. Don't... Do other things. Come to me. Can we see what an amazing privilege it is to be able to come to our loving Heavenly Father and receive all that He has for us individually? Receive all that He has for us as a church. Come to the banquet. Let's come to the banquet. Let's feast on all He has. Let's pray.